you still have to get it done at the time that it really counts, which we have not managed to do. It's the first time that you could genuinely say that there is a chance that we could be World Cup champions. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball, daily. Okay, we're turning our attention to Gaelic football. Morris Brosnan is with us to talk to us about the final weekend of the Allianz Football League. Morris, good afternoon, good evening to you, how are you? Great, Jerry, and yourself? Uh, random one to start with. We were talking about Limerick earlier on, and I've got to put this in a bit more context, otherwise it's going to seem completely ludicrous. But <laughs> France are feeling themselves after the Six Nations, because apparently it turns out, in the grand style of the league, they trained through a lot of the early games to put themselves under extensive stress, and then tapered for the England game and lo and behold they're the greatest team since sliced bread so they're really delighted with how things went I was kind of half suggesting that maybe Limerick wouldn't feel too bad if they were to lose a league semi-final this weekend in that context is there any world in which Mayo with everything going so well for them at the moment might benefit from just a little bit of a okay let's all let's all calm down a little bit and get get back about our business uh, this is this is a very interesting topic and uh, can I just prefix this regardless of what we say here about anything what will define this will be an extreme one way or the other so if for example Mayo lose this weekend or lose against Roscommon in the first round of Connacht and then win in All-Ireland that'll be tailed as the template regardless of any other signif- or influencing factors or anything else that happens I, you see this in Hurling for example you, you know you look at Hurling you talk about Limerick for example look at how many people have used Waterford as an example of what not to do with the league when the other three teams who reached the knockout stages of the league last year all got to the knockout stages of the championship, one of whom actually got to an Ireland final. But it's just that Limerick, that Waterford example is the one thing of what not to do. So regardless of what I say here, no matter what happens, if one happens on either end of that extreme, it'll be hailed as the, the way to do it or the way not to do it. Well, I'm pretty sure that um, some of the uh, current Limerick hurlers who are part of the second greatest, uh, rising greatest team of all time do already <laughs> have some league medals and the Kilkenny team there were some seasons where they won the league and there were some seasons where they didn't win the league. So uh, I'm also old enough to remember where the only way to win in All-Ireland was to have a new manager, which was like the first four or five years of the uh, the noughties. So look, yeah, it pays you money, it takes your choice about what random thing you attribute glory to at the end of the season. Andrew, this is a very boring answer, but this just depends on each team's specific circumstances. It depends on the squad they have available, if they're, what they're trying to do with it. And also, crucially, not to go over broken ground here but the nature of the provincial draw means that some teams have a lovely window like Kerry for example I don't think they'd be panicking whatsoever whereas Mayo I think would feel a bit more pressure about that that they actually would go and want to beat Roscom. they don't have the luxury let, let me let me posit something specific then we had David Brady on during the week and I was making the point that there's a world in which actually losing in the first round of Connacht isn't a disaster for either Mayo or Roscommon. He's like, the day before, I do not want that. The day after, I might be like, oh, six weeks before our next big game, we can take that. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, I do think, so I think that's, it's a lovely comforting factor if you lose that game. But I think both teams are going, just given the indicators we've seen, both teams are going gung-ho to, to win that game. So that's, it's a nice fallback, definitely. But from everything we've seen from Mayo, Mayo are not playing, you know, their strongest team every single week out of the league playing, I would imagine, playing friendlies in the Dome on top of that as well with very strong teams out if they're not adamant that they want to build up momentum and go and win every single game and build up confidence and steamroll through this. So I, it's a lovely, uh, I'm sure you could spin that to be, it's a lovely fallback regardless, but I don't think teams are factoring that in. I, 
as as I said to you before, maybe this, the template will change when we see something at post this year. But for now, I think both of those teams are, are gung-ho to, to win that opening game. It's it's um, the same weekend as the Mayo game. Armagh play Antrim in the Ulster Championship and I I think everybody would expect Armagh to take care of business against Antrim, notwithstanding Antrim's victory against Cavan last weekend. But yeah. you can definitely make the case that going through the front door of Ulster, the exhausting front door of Ulster for Armagh all the way through to a final, uh, if they win or lose that, then they're back into uh, the round robin and then depending on whether or not they come through uh, the preliminary quarter-final round, which they really miss an opportunity to name that wildcard weekend. We can, <laughs> we can talk about that again. But um, that could be 11 games for them to win All-Ireland or more. Um, I think it's 11. And it's just it's just not a fair system. So if I'm... If, I'm, if, if, if Geezer was in a different scenario where he had actually won an Ulster title and everybody was happy with him and they're in the middle of like a, a long-term sequence, I could definitely see the benefits of coming out of Ulster in the preliminary round and going we're going hell for leather it doesn't matter who we get but we're going to win our home game we're going to win our uh, our um, game in a neutral venue and away we go into at least the preliminary quarterfinals and this is kind of so firstly like this I know people some people are sick of this conversation but this year will totally expose the unfair nature of the provincial championship why this is the elephant in the room why for all the restructuring we do it's still a totally unbalanced system because as you laid out perfectly there a team like Armagh would if for when we look at all Ireland quarterfinals and we start to see the paths certain teams got to get to that stage versus others, it'll just look so unjust. And so it'll, it'll totally expose it for what we've known for decades anyway. But this goes back to what I was saying earlier, Joe. If you talk about the specific circumstances around teams, I think I'm going to have to at least reach an Ulster final. Just given their shambolic record in, that, in the provincial championship, given the negativity around the team over the last couple of weeks, the way they're playing... Um, like random stuff that you, you would start to see that stuff can fester so I, I think from an Armagh perspective that's a team who actually really need a good provincial championship run on the flip side a team like Tyrone like I don't, it's not a it is by no means devastating for Tyrone if they weren't to reach a provincial final I don't think anyway they've shown before that they like that backdoor system anyway but even still what they, the work they could get done within that so I don't think there's the same pressure on where Tyrone are at right now where, versus where, where Armagh are and just to just to reiterate, if you are in the uh, provincial championships, you're playing games, and y- all of the teams who get knocked out, who are already qualified for Sam Maguire, and they'll know that basically at the end of the league, give or take um, a few teams at the bottom of Division Two, uh, you'll actually have time off to plan a specific block and prepare for the championship on which your entire season will be remembered. Yeah, that, that's a great point. So the, this leeway only exists for. Division one teams, basically, um, and a couple of the, the top tier teams, you probably wouldn't get it. Uh, the teams who won't know what's it, what championship they're in until the end of April, for example. So it is, it's, it's a unique subset we're talking about here. But yeah, that, that, you know, you talk about that six week block of work, and then you're talking about, um, again, we can talk about this if we, if we, if we want to, but a group stage we're playing three games to eliminate one team. So you've got, you know, 24 games there. So there's a huge, what I'm talking about is, despite the fact that we're all talking about how crammed this year is, for certain teams, there's huge windows there to get even more work done, regardless of what they've seen otherwise. So, and that's an advantage for some teams, but for others, it's a huge disadvantage. Now, this will all, we're just speaking in hypotheticals here, it'll all be exposed and make a lot more sense when we look back at a post. But for, for now, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see how, I don't think any teams are going to factor that in this year, but how it sh- shapes out kind of post that and how we, we start to see a template for regardless of how it works after that uh, and look maybe maybe this all comes out in the wash but uh, <laughs> to labour the point one last time 
it feels to me a little bit like Ulster were the turkeys who did vote for Christmas because what's going to happen is they're going to kill each other the whole way through the Ulster Championship. There will be red cards, there will be suspensions, there will be injuries. There are games that everybody will absolutely die to try and win. And then at the end of that, you have to hit a reset and the other teams who are basically coming up to some level of uh, excitement slash fitness who haven't really stressed themselves and you're thinking here specifically of Dublin and Kerry and and maybe one of the teams who come out of Connacht are more confident about life because um, it's been it's certainly if you're on the right side of the draw uh, I, like the, the wear and tear that the Ulster teams are going to have to go through to get to a point where they're then going to have to go through that again to get to an All-Ireland quarter final I wouldn't be surprised if several of the best players are injured do you know the best example of the point you just made there is look at Cavan. Look at where Cavan. So you've you know I should stress there's no nobody owes any of these teams any sympathy because as you mentioned a lot of them voted against the original championship uh, reformat. But when you look at what Cavan would have to do to make Sam Maguire this year in terms they could win every single game. They, well, bar the one game they lost in the league, they could win every single game in the league. They're on the same side as they're on the Donegal downside, so and the Armagh side. So if they don't, let's say they get to an Ulster semi-final and they lose there, they still don't make Sam Maguire. So when you look at their route, now it's that's an unfair system, but as you say, your sympathy is kind of limited for those teams because you know Turkey's vote for Christmas is a good way of putting it, um, and it, that's just the unfortunate reality. But look, like, there's no there's no getting away from this chart. The, the elephant in the room is the provincial championship. As great as this new format might be, that still is the biggest problem. And until we can abolish that where we're at no, this this these issues are just going to run and run so I, there's a lot of fatigue I'm fatigued talking about them but but it's just the way it is one, one last thing on all this is that um, and I made this point to Anthony Nash a little bit earlier on I'm not sure hurling people are fully prepared for the uh, the avalanche of Gaelic football that there's going to be and the coverage that's going to happen yeah. from that and the storylines that are going to come uh, while the hurling championship is actually playing its best games and I think you know the, the there could well be a new civil war coming our direction yeah, and this this is again tied to the rice deal, and I have to say it's you know in, in terms of it is very frustrating when you look at this weekend, for example, and you see we could have arguably the most entertaining. I've been kind of underwhelmed by this league as a whole, to be honest. But the most consistently entertaining division is Division Four, and the fact that none of those games, as far as we know, are going to be streamed anywhere is very disappointing. And I think so. You take that issue, which in itself is frustrating. If you apply that to what we might miss out on this summer, like games that might not be, that might happen in a vacuum, it could become shambolic. So this, again, is another one to put a circle around and wait and see how, how it unfolds. Maybe it, myself and yourself, our negativity and cynicism will all be proven wrong and it'll all work wonders, but uh, that remains to be seen. I, I like I, We were talking about the uh, round robin and only one team going out. I don't mind so much that at that stage of the tournament, everybody's going to have some sense of jeopardy heading into the final round of it. I wish it was the best 16 teams in the country. That's not going to be the case. Fair enough. Those decisions have been made a long time ago. I'm not entirely against that and I'm not entirely against a wild card. Uh, you know, it's just that the point that gets you there leaves so many teams exhausted to the point of it'll be shadow teams or um, 21 year olds because obviously the under 20s are they under 20s allowed to play if they have, they will be allowed this year is this the first year that they're yeah. going to be so, okay so you might have a team backbone by under 20s they've been knocked out of the under 20 championship um, it just it could be it could be amazing the problem here is, is it could be amazing we've never had so many teams of equal standard who are I would argue in, in good quality weather will play good quality football um, so I, I'm not cynical I'm just hopeful yeah I, 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 I 
I agree with you in theory, but I agreed in theory around the super eights as well. And definitely when you are hoping to build momentum in a competition and you get to that final round and have as many dead rubbers, dead rubbers as we did, and I would anticipate we'd have even more if, as we've mentioned, three of the top four teams are going through. That to me just feels a bit, yeah, it's, it's a bit frustrating that that is, is part, look, it's part of it. Maybe I'm I'm being overly negative about it here, but I, you, in, a, in, a, in an ideal sense, you would like the stuff to be on an upward trajectory at that stage. And in reality, you've built in a what could be a gap week for some teams. You, you go back to, I remember Galway and the, the effort they put out in Monaghan that when they had already qualified for the, the year they played Dublin in the semi final. And that round definitely felt like a bit. Um, kind of a bit kind of challenge feely really to be honest yeah. so and I'm yeah maybe I don't want to be overly negative before we've even seen it but um, yeah I, I just think it's it could it could, it could it's good it could have been a lot better This weekend obviously there is uh, plenty to get our teeth stuck into you, you were making the point about Armagh there and the, the, the sequence of results has allowed them probably not to have too much wiggle room when it comes to a performance in the in the Ulster Championship but um where are they versus where you think they should be? Um, like, is this just Kieran McGinley is, is in a situation where he knows the championship is the be-all and end-all for them and so therefore they're trying stuff in the league and by the time the championship rolls around it'll look very different or do you think they've been trying stuff that they want to carry through to the championship and it's not working for them? Uh, that's a very good question and uh, I'm not sure I have the, a right answer. I have a few thoughts about this though. That I think this... You know, the league is the ultimate kind of SWOT analysis for certain teams. Like it'll expose your strengths and your weaknesses in because you're exposed to, and this is the, part of the problem with the league is that the strong gets stronger because you're playing teams at your similar level week in, week out. It's a really good stress test for what you're trying to do, where you're going so for certain players. It'll expose, let's you look at teams who are missing very important players and then suddenly other players step up and you kind of get a good sense about where they're strong or where other teams are weak. And I look at what Armagh have done. So I think Armagh were always a defensive team in terms of they were, had a very mean defence. They didn't concede many goals last year either. But, um, and I, you know, I could be totally wrong with this. I think certain teams looked at what Derry did last year and said, that should have been us. We could, that, we could have done that. That should have been us. And we live in a copycat league, Jerry. You go back to, look what happens after every single team win an Ireland final, whether it's with roaming half-forwards after Brian Duher or target men inside with Kieran Donaghy or the blanket defence after Jimmy Guinness. Coaches tend to copy what is successful. And after Derry won Ulster last year, in my opinion, Armagh looked at that and said, we could do a lot of what they did. So that's why suddenly they're flooding the the five men inside the 21. Previously, you saw no team attack like that. Every, that. You were told to leave that space open. That's why you didn't want to be. But now Derry did it last year, did it so effectively. And suddenly Armagh are doing it to... Like a baffling consequence. If you go back and watch the game last weekend, just, there's just two passes to play. Watch what they do to Reen O'Neill with his his first possession and when he's turned over 10 minutes later. There's enough Armagh players in a semicircle to link hands together. Like Armagh, the, the, the irony is Armagh players are floating the space where Reen O'Neill is. And that makes it so easy for, if you're a defender and you're marking somebody and they're all bunched together, you can just swarm the ball carrier. So I don't, I don't think that's why are they doing they that? that? But they're obviously I, like they're thinking long and hard about that. That's by design. Yeah, I so the reason Derry do that is you're trying to you're trying to occupy a zonal defense. If you come up against a team, you're trying to so if you know if you've got them as five players in behind you, you're not standing at the top of the, the D trying to clog up that space because you're more worried about you're preoccupied with a, a guy over your shoulder and you're going to mark him. Now the problem is that I'd say Derry have been drilling that for years and years and years. So they're so cohesive when they do that. There's 
oftentimes their lines of running are so clever. And if you start to embed that, I, you know, I, I could be totally wrong at this, but I think that was a massive pivot for where Amar were going. And you start to try and embed that and you're back at ground one again. And that's how suddenly their attack looks very confused. They're cognizant space. They're not putting up uh, decent points at all. Reno Neal has scored a point in the last two games. He's taken off. Reno Neal, but a game in a melting pot in our mat, was taken off with five minutes left last weekend. Like, when have you ever anticipated that before? So I think uh, it's just interesting. It's interesting that this is the way Amma have decided to... And I, it is... You go back to that game, Ger, just for, for a second. That has exposed a big weakness from an Amma perspective. Whereas if you look at Galway, a real strength... For Galway is the guys who unhurled the guys. Galway's most important player, I, I'm kind of convinced of it now this year, is Johnny Heaney, and he just proved it again in that game. Um, if you go back, a slight tangent, at the very start of this year under Park Joyce, I added up the minutes played of every single Galway player for the last three years. And I was just kind of curious, where would, they had five All-Stars last year, their captain is Sean Kelly, their goalkeeper, where would they all rank? And none of them were at the top. The top was, was Johnny Heaney. And uh, now this is a guy a lot of people probably wouldn't even stand out to you but I was thinking about that at the time and I rang Gary O'Donnell who's the former Galway captain to ask him and he was telling me you know I bet you he was the same under Kevin Walsh this guy is one of Galway's most important players on and off the field and then you go back to the two biggest games for Galway this year they're down to 14 men uh, against Monaghan at home games in the melting pot John Heaney comes up and gets a goal they haven't scored for 26 minutes against Armagh at the weekend John Heaney kicks a point from the top of the D he kicks another screamer in the second half and, and balls him out so from a goal perspective it's an ultimate testament to a leader like that and on the flip side Armagh having a weakness exposed and that's the good thing about the league is that both of those teams can build around Galway will build around John Heaney I'm sure we might even see him continue at 11 and Armagh can hopefully try and, and fix their their attacking problems Yeah and I um it, to talk about our man, just tease that out a bit. I, if you're going to try something, you don't get the opportunity to try that in the championship, obviously. So that's the whole point of the league, and and maybe they crack it over the next three or four weeks in advance of the uh, Ulster champion. Well, it's not three or four weeks, but maybe it is, right? Um, They're the preliminary game, yeah, against uh, Antrim. So and maybe maybe it's the type of thing that it takes them a long time to get right. But if you don't start. you, you can never do it, and the consequence of that is that you're playing Division Two football potentially next year. Yeah, I mean, unlikely. But did, but. Did, did they? Do you think Armand needed to change the way they were doing things? Like, did, if we would, theoretically, if you look at coaching, you you look at what's at your disposal and you set up a team to the best of their ability. So that's what the best example of this is. What Jim McGuinness did with Donegal, like he, I think he looked at those players, what he had at his disposal, and saw I've got pretty good man markers in the McGees. I've got athletic runners like Lacey. I've got brilliant target men like McFadden and Murphy. How do I build a system around them? And that's what he did. Whether you like it or not, that's the system that won them in Ireland. And uh, I think Armagh, Armagh don't need, Reno Neal does not need to do the donkey work that he's doing. He's a great tackler. He's kind of doing the Michael Murphy role for Armagh. But the thing is, Armagh actually have much better middle third players than Donegal ever had. So he doesn't need to do that. Like Kieran Macken is a fabulous footballer. He could do that work. You could actually build your attack around Reno Neal, just for example, which has seemed like something they started to hit on last year. So I... Uh, I, I don't know if Armagh... I appreciate what you're saying in terms of this is your your window to do it, but like, do you think Armagh actually needed to do it? Do they need to change this up? It doesn't matter, right, what I think. It obviously matters what, <laughs> he, what Geezer and Donaghy thought, and they thought that they were close, but not close enough to... And um, I, I... The way you describe what McGuinness did, I'm not entirely convinced that that's the case either. I, so the outcome is the same, but I think that he had a, a philosophy and that philosophy was honed... And that the result of that 
uh, and so that the, some of the players were turned into those into so that that the the system came first and who the uh, implementation uh, people and vehicles for that were going to be now I don't know if we'll ever get him to tell us one or the other it's like oh I walked yeah. in and I assessed what I had because loads of coaches don't loads of coaches are, are wedded to a philosophy that this is actually the best way if we're playing Kerry or if we're playing Tyrone or whoever it is and this is going to work against everybody and sure look I do have McGuinness there or I do have uh, Michael Murphy and, and McFadden I'm not sure it'd be certainly interesting to, to tease that out with him I, I do want to talk about Division 2 though because obviously um, like now they're going to Croke Park with an opportunity to create a little bit of history and they definitely deserve a lot of praise for this I, I don't think anybody thought that they'd still be alive with this much on the line given the injuries that they've suffered and given the absolute bear pit of the division um, so like is Mickey Hart getting enough credit is, is Gavin Devon getting enough credit I, I think they probably are no you would have to be um, like you, you'd have to be a total idiot to not be able to appreciate what Mickey Hart has done in loud ironically just go back to your point there previously he probably is a manager who was wedded to a to a philosophy. I don't think any of us doubted what way Loud would play this year. At the same time, they seem to be able to, you know, they seem to be able to build around their key players. I suppose just to go back to that point slightly, when you watched, the best I saw this Loud team ever play was in Crow Park against Limerick in the Division 3 final last year. And they had uh, Sam Roy as a focal point in attack. They had Kieran Byrne kind of mixed in between two. They downs, again, as another, letting him up top. So he wasn't, even though it, structurally it looks like a, a pretty you know, quote-unquote defensive system, but they still built, it was built into that that they are going to get the best out of their best players. And that, I actually think that's the biggest problem with what Armagh are doing in terms of, just to go back to that point. But yeah, from, um, I the, the point on Loud to Jarrett is probably worth saying, it's not just, as great as what Mick Hart and, um, and Gavin Devon have done, it's not just them. Like Peter Fitzpatrick as, uh, as chairman, what he's done in terms of you know, whether you like or not, the way they fundraise within that county, the way they, they built their training centre, all that sort of thing, it has them on a, a really even keel. And that's, so you would, in an ideal sense, this is kind of a leg, we're starting to see the, the embedding of a legacy. This just won't be Mickey Hart leaves and Loud flounder again. I think this could be, there's long-term stuff going on as well as the remarkable work that he has done. But uh, to answer your question, if Mickey Hart isn't getting the credits off people who, I don't know if I'd be listening to him talk about football anyway. The um, notwithstanding all that, the the Dubs obviously are still one of those teams who we expect to be there or thereabouts. Uh, come All Ireland semi final weekend, come All Ireland final potentially. Uh, what have they learned? Do you think over the course of the league? Uh, good question. I, I I think we have seen the the problems with the way Dublin are playing, but I don't know if they're I don't know if they're going to address them. I I think it's really interesting the the reaction to and I heard uh, Anthony talk to you the 2E on, on Monday on OTBAM about Kylian O'Gara and the focal point of his attack and I think that is you know it is interesting and they definitely did kick the ball into him but you have the one of the best ball winners in the country in there for six times before that in Conor Callaghan and like why did it have to why, why did you have to take him out of there to kick the ball in there why couldn't you have done it when Conor Callaghan was there or you've got one of the best fetters in midfield in the country why couldn't you just do that with Brian Fenton. So was what I mean is was that dictated by the way Mead set up and they just Dublin made hay with that, or to what extent is that something that they will stick to moving forward? And I do think there is a lot of scope within the way Dublin is set up that they're they're working through a, a kind of a couple of particular issues. So, but again, you know, you talk about what it's exposed, Ger. What it's exposed that they need something that we probably knew before the league started. They need James McCarthy, Jack McCaffrey, Paul Mannion all on the pitch alongside. Fenton and Conor Callan to have a realistic chance of winning on All Ireland. So 
I don't know if that's something that they needed seven games to work through. I think there's certain teams I would have liked to have seen them experiment more, maybe just from their own perspective. It's interesting that Kerry really haven't experimented as much either. But I mean, not in terms of personnel, I mean, in terms of style. But So I think from a Dublin perspective, it's exposed. What, what have they learned from the league? They've learned that their all leaders are still very much required if they want to have a really chance of winning Ireland. Gaelic Football and Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Check out the hashtag the toughest for more. Uh, is there any world in which Dublin have not been kicking the ball into Con because uh, they just want to make sure that everybody has forgotten about this? That uh, or, or is it like a, they will do this in summertime when the weather is good and when the games really matter to them? So, yeah, yeah I've, I've heard that said before that maybe you're keeping their cards close to your chest but how do you square that with how you know Brian Finton is not fist bump to the crowd in the first half against Derry if they're not absolutely gung-ho determined to win that game and the fact that we didn't see as much of it there again I think suggests to me that it's they're still kind of locked in this we're going to pick teams apart and look I mean that's as I said to you before last time we spoke to you that might get them to an All-Ireland. You know, they could play the same way they have been playing and absolutely win All-Ireland. If you go back to last year, if Conor Callan is playing against Kerry, do they, you know, it's definitely close if they get over the line there. We, we don't know, it's another hypothetical, but so I don't think they need to do drastic change, but it's just interesting to me anyway that their obvious strengths they haven't played to really at all. So I, maybe we, you're right, maybe we will see that later on in the year, but I think you would like to have tried it at least once before then. Yeah, and look, they are one of the teams who aren't going to have a particularly stressful uh, Leinster campaign. Yeah, and good point. They can train as much as they want all the way up and they're guaranteed to be in and obviously it helps your seeding a little bit if you win the uh, the provincial championships but it doesn't really matter to them at all. Uh, what matters to them is having everybody fully fit and ready to go and not even for the round robin, you could argue, <laughs> more than likely it'll be the All-Ireland quarterfinals before they get tested in a match where if, lo- if they lose, it's going to be uh, of significant importance to them. Yeah, that's a great point. And they're probably, are they the poster boy for what we talked about earlier in terms of having the, the leeway to get another bank work done post this? And, 100%. Um, yeah, so I, that, that's a that's a great point. And I probably not appreciate it enough in terms of the the best version of what, what I think Mayo are close to the best version of what we see Mayo this year. You There's absolutely a space for Dublin to be, you know, 10, 20% away from that and still win uh, an Ireland. Morris, great to have you with us. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks, Jerry. It's Mars Brosnan of the Irish Examiner there. Uh, you can give us your views. Tweet us at Off the Ball.